0: Amen. You can be seated this morning. Thank you so much, children. You can be released. And as they make their way back, just a quick thing for parents, the school, because it's summer, they are storing things back where the the elementary class typically meets. And so the elementary students are going to be in the room that's right behind where we're meeting here. So when you go to pick up the kids, if you're looking for them and you can't find them, that's where they're going to be, <laughs> okay? So after the service. And so grateful for the worship team in leading us this morning. Uh, Anthony, our, our worship director, he's uh, away this weekend at a marriage retreat with his wife at a weekend to remember, and so, so grateful uh, for him and just the time he's putting in to strengthen his marriage in this season. So thank you to those who are serving as we serve together. So this morning, we are continuing in our series that we've entitled Summer in the Psalms. Now, the heart behind this is to surrender our everything before God, especially when it comes to our emotions, not just our beliefs, not just our obedience, but also our heart, our emotions, even the emotions that we try to hide, surrendering them before God. And the way that we're doing this is by looking at a collection of psalms. So there's 150 different psalms in the Bible, but you can also kind of group them in playlists, if you will, themes of the way that they're organized. Not just organized, but the way that we can think through them, the theme of the psalm. So last week, we looked at Psalm 37. And this was a a psalm of wisdom. It was a psalm that, that kind of looked at What it means, like how do we bring our agitation, our anger, even our envy before God, right? Like when we think through and we see that the wicked, those who aren't following God are prospering, and then here we are trying to do what's right, and then life is hard and they're suffering, and we're like, why God? Why would you allow that to happen? We looked at what it looks like to surrender those feelings to God. Today, we're going to be looking. If you want to go ahead and turn there to Psalm 2, it's known as a royal psalm. It's a psalm about a king and a kingdom. They emphasize God's promise of an eternal kingdom, of a true, divine, eternally reigning king. And it's meant to call us to lift our eyes above the present chaos, above the present concerns, to see the reality of who God is as the true king to give us confidence that my desire this morning in heart in today's message is to help us move our hearts and minds toward a deeper trust and confidence in God that if there's fears anxieties chaos as you watch the news see what's happening in the world and you think oh no like what's happening what does the future hold This psalm is meant to invite us to bring those emotions to God and to hear him speak. And so there's a process that we're going to walk through to identify those emotions. What comes to our hearts when we see the events, world events unfolding? How then do we surrender that to God and then listen to his voice speak to those longings, to those questions this morning. So I want to invite you, stand with me as we pray and pre- in preparing our hearts this morning and then as we read Psalm 2 together. Lord, I thank you for this time this morning, Lord, together, together, Lord. And I, we all feel this as we look at the world, as we see news headlines, Lord. There's concerns, there's longings, and I pray that this morning you would help us to lay our hearts bare before you, that you would give us ears to hear as you speak what is true, and give our hearts the confidence to rest in the truth of your word, of who you are, and what you declare of yourself. And in Jesus' name, amen. So Psalm, chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The earth take their stand and the rulers conspire together against the Lord and his anointed one. Let's tear off their chains and, and throw their ropes off of us. The one enthroned in heaven laughs. The Lord ridicules them. Then he speaks to them in his anger and terrifies them in his wrath. I have installed my king on Zion, my holy mountain. I will declare the Lord's decree. He said to me, You are my son. Today I have become your father. Ask of me, and I will make the nations your inheritance, and in the ends of the earth your possession. You will break them with an iron scepter and you will shatter them like pottery. Now, kings, be wise. Receive instruction, you judges of the earth. Serve the Lord with reverential awe and rejoice with trembling. Pay homage to the Son or He will be angry and you will perish in your rebellion for His anger may ignite at any moment. All who take refuge in him are happy. This is God's word. You can be seated. This song, if you will, is made up of four verses. It's it's in these four parts, each one having three verses. And so, because of that, today's sermon is going to have four points to walk through this poem together. And we see at the beginning... The question, this bringing up a question, why do the nations rage? Why do the peoples plot in vain? That they are fighting against God. They, it's a people who see themselves, who see God more as a slave master than a savior. They see themselves as being chained, confined, ropes binding them, that they, as if they're being controlled by God. And they're like, we want to break free from his kingdom. We want to break free from his reign. And they rage against God. They they, they are angry with that. And it's not just God, but also his anointed. This anointed in Hebrew is Messiah. In Greek, it would be translated Christ. This is a rebellion against God and the Savior Jesus Christ. And the nations are raging in this. Like, do you ever read the news headlines and feel this? Like, the world can feel like it's in chaos. There can be anxiousness that that rises up and uncertainty. Like, what does the future hold? Do I want to bring children into this world? Look at how uncertain it all seems. It can feel pessimistic, fearful. Everything's going downhill. Everything's falling apart. Oh, no, what's going to happen? Just this week, I took screenshots of some of the news headlines I saw in my news feed. None of this includes the war in Ukraine, school shootings, racial injustice, none of that's on here. And yet you can see the news headlines that my own heart and mind was bombarded with this week. And as I came across it, I was just like screenshot after screenshot after screenshot the rebellion against God, we see the same question today. Why do the nations rage? Why do we play with these different things? But sometimes it's not even just this overt rejection of God. I read in one commentary what he called the suburban rebellion, and he says this, though, our rebellion isn't so dramatic. We aren't drawing pentagrams, And exploring Satanism, as that one article said, it's not unbaptism rituals, but for so often, rebellion is less dramatic. Many people we know simply ignore God and do life their own way. They go to school, raise their kids, and pay their taxes without the slightest thought of following Jesus Christ. This is the suburban rebellion. And the psalmist is bringing this before God. He's like, why? Why do the nations rage? And I don't want us to miss this point as we think about what it means to bring our hearts before God. The the fact that this even starts with the psalmist asking questions before God. Why are they raging? Why are they fighting against? How do we bring our questions, identify our questions, and surrender them to God personally I feel like this is something God's been leading me in in recent months now about every other month I've been taking a day of a spiritual retreat a day of silence and solitude I actually go to the the lake house retreat house that the women's ministry is going to be going to the end of this month I can't recommend this enough the, the, the lady there has been incredibly gracious, uh, her and her husband, they have an apartment above the garage that whenever I need, I can just go there. And it's just a day of silence and solitude. And, and to be honest, I didn't even know what to expect, right? Like, so I went there and like, I had this whole day planned and then I sat down at this desk and I'm like, now what? <laughs> and as I sat down, it was like this Exhale not like just breathing out. I mean, it was deep and loaded with emotion that just felt like something was being squeezed out of me and and tears came to my eyes. And I didn't realize it in the moment because when life is moving and there's a pace to life, right, and you're moving and you're going and you're going and then all of a sudden you stop. And it was as if my heart had been a sponge and I've absorbed and I collected all these different emotions, all these frustrations, the anger, the envy, the, the, the fear, the joy. And, it just, and it's just absorbing it all. And I just keep going, keep going, keep going. And when I sat down, I felt as if God in his love was just squeezing that sponge. And I was like, whoa, there's this and there's, there's this. And I'm seeing this emotion. In in, in the song that came to my mind, the only words I could speak, to be quite honest, surprised by what was happening, was the song, Here's My Heart, Lord. Here's my heart, Lord. Here's my heart. Speak what is true. This is what I want us to feel in this psalm and in this series, this place where we come before God and we slow down from all the movement, from the pace of life, and we say, Lord, here's my heart. And all its emotion, the good, the bad, the ugly, the things I don't want to deal with, here it is. Speak. I need to know what's true because I feel a lot of things but I need to hear your voice. But it, it makes us ask the question, what voice or voices are we listening to? When we come to the place of laying in, in surrender our hearts before God, what then will we absorb? What then will we feel? Will we listen to in response to that? Because I believe if we are willing to quiet our hearts before God, he speaks. He speaks. And we see that here in this psalm. After the questions, after the frustration, in verse 4, the one enthroned in heaven laughs. The Lord ridicules them. Like God in heaven. Look at all the headlines, all the chaos, all the things that you say. What's happening in the world? What's going to happen in the future? Where is all this going? And it says God is not in heaven hiding in some safe room scared. He's not on the throne wringing his hands, knees knocking. Oh no, what am I going to do? The nations are rebelling against me. He's not calling in allies, help me look at what's happening to these people. He doesn't even stand up. God in heaven is not threatened. He laughs. He laughs. The nations and the people's raging against God, shaking their fist, wanting to free themselves. From the rule of God, others just ignoring him, pretending like he doesn't even exist, and God laughs. And he mocks them, unimpressed, finds it humorous that these finite, fallible people would think themselves so wise, so strong, that they can subvert the will and work of God. And he is unmoved. He seated and he laughs. And then he speaks. And all the people who were ignoring him and raging against him wet themselves. Like this is the image that comes to mind. And all the yelling and all the screaming, shaking their fist at God. And God speaks and they shudder in fear. Because the one true king has spoken, and he's angry. There's fury and there's wrath. It's a word that's used 41 times in the Old Testament. It means this burning, divine, all consuming fire. It's anger, it's a holy, consuming fire in the presence of which no one can stand. And when the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords speaks, there is no more rebellion. There is no more pride. There is a king enthroned in heaven over all creation. And he has spoken. And when God speaks, the world, the nations, the kings, the peoples of the earth cannot thwart or undermine the word of God. They cannot harm or come against the kingdom of God, against his rule and his reign. And we see this in the past, in the present, and in the future, right? Like think about in the past, the humor of God, if you will, Pharaoh, the mightiest leader on earth wanting to crush and enslave the Jews, wanting to see them destroyed. And he's like, look at me and all my power. I don't care about their God or his people. And God in his humor causes the one through whom the people of God will be freed, Moses, to grow up in Pharaoh's household. And you're telling me God's not laughing. He's mocking them. You think you have these great plans. No, and then in the book of Ruth, you see Haman wanting to to kill and destroy the Jews. and, And oh, Mordecai, he's going to be killed on the gallows. And God laughs knowing that the very structure that Haman is having be built, that he will be killed by. We even see it with the religious leaders, Paul and, and Silas, preaching the gospel. And they're like, we got to stop this. The kingdom of God can't keep going or We're going to throw them in prison. And God's like, really, thank you. Because I actually wanted that jailer to hear the gospel, so you're doing me a favor. And so Paul and Silas, while they're there, preach the gospel, and the jailer comes to faith. You're telling me God's threatened? His purposes are being fulfilled, whether we see them or not. We see that even today. Do you know over 70% of the Christians in the world are not from the West? More than 50% of the missionaries are not from the West. More Muslims have come to trust in Jesus Christ in the past 25 years than in the prior 1,400 years combined. So tell me about the Muslim Brotherhood. Tell me about all the the horrible things the news wants to play. And I'm telling you, the kingdom of God is strong. It is continuing to grow. The work of God cannot be thwarted. He is enthroned in heaven. And his word stands. He has spoken. And his word stands. I have installed my king In Zion, my holy mountain. And Jesus is that king, that anointed one. And we see this so beautifully described. I will declare the Lord's decree. He said to me in verse 7 You are my son. Today I have become your father. We see that Jesus' identity is God the Son of God. This statement is proclaiming Jesus as a representative of God, this vertical representation, and we also see this representation as Jesus is the horizontal representation of God's people to God. It is going both ways. And it was interesting to me in studying this passage, which I didn't know beforehand, was Verse 7 was used throughout the early church in scripture and even in some of the early songs in hymns that were sung by the early church was rooted in verse 7. Because in 2 in Samuel, it actually says that we know that this son will be from the line of David. In Hebrews chapter 1, This verse 7 was used to prove in verse 5, For to which of the angels did he say, You are my son, today I have become your father. See, it's looking back at this to say that Jesus is hes greater than the angelic beings. He's greater than anybody in heaven or on earth. And Paul even references then this verse 7. When he preaches in Acts 13. When he writes Romans chapter 1. He portrays that Jesus' resurrection is his coronation as king. It was here referring back to this, that today you are my son. I have become your father. It was as if when Jesus hung on the cross, the crown of thorns, the mocking sign above his head, king of the Jews, which was meant to be sarcastic, proclaim the truth. And that was his coronation. And then when he rose from the dead, enthroned as the one who was promised, the representative of God to God's people and God's people to God. You should see up on your screen this one statement from a commentary I read this week. When Christ announces that he... God's son, he claims to represent all God's people as their king. It is a horizontal statement. This reality is at the heart of our salvation, the heart of our salvation. He embodies us in himself so completely. This is just let these words hit you. Jesus embodies us so completely in himself That his obedience can be counted as our obedience. His death can be counted as our death. His resurrection is our resurrection. And his unending life is our life. This is our king. This is who we serve. This is who is enthroned in heaven. And he is sovereign over all creation. Ask of me, it says in verse 8, and I will make the nations your inheritance and the ends of the earth your possession. Ask of me. They belong to Jesus. And my mind could not help but to go to Revelation 5. When an angel of the Lord, he stands there and he has this scroll and there's words written on the front and on the back and it's sealed shut. With seven seals and it can't be opened and and it alludes to that this is the deed the contract of the earth if you will human history this is everything this is God's mercy and salvation this is his judgment against evil this is what makes everything right and this mighty angel mighty angel it says says who is worthy to open the scroll, who is worthy to break its seals and bring about justice and mercy. And it says, and they looked everywhere, in heaven and on earth, and there was no one. And right as dread began to hit. Now imagine this. Imagine if the news headlines we read was all there is. If there was no hope. If you're like, there will be no justice. There will be no mercy. The wicked will win. The righteous will lose. You just have to play it out until you die. Think of the dread. And they looked in heaven and on earth. And there was no one who was worthy. And John is seeing this unfold. And right as he begins to break. Right when it seems like all hope is gone. When when everything is a failure the angel says do not weep but look look lift your eyes the lion from the tribe of Judah the root of David has conquered and then it says they sang a new song because Jesus is worthy Because he's worthy to break the seals. He's worthy to open the scroll. He's worthy to execute God's justice on the earth. He's worthy to to execute mercy in salvation for those who repent. And they sang a new song. You are worthy to take the scroll, to open its seals because you were slaughtered. And you purchased people for God by your blood from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you made them a kingdom and priests to our God. And they will reign on the earth. This is the kingdom of God. God's presence, his people in a place together for all eternity. Because Christ the king was slaughtered. And by his blood we have been purchased. This is our king, so ask of me, and I will make the nations your inheritance, and the ends of the earth your possession. And his authority is complete. There is no one who can stand in rebellion. Verse 9, you will break them with an iron scepter. You will shatter them like pottery. I just want this to be in our minds, because sometimes we can reduce Jesus to a flannel graph. Jesus... And he's weak and mild. And I want us to see that we serve a king. And in Revelation, it says, then I saw heaven opened and there was a white horse. Its rider is called faithful and true. And with justice, he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a fiery flame, and many crowns were on his head. He had a name written that no one knows except himself, and he wore a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. The armies that were in heaven followed him on white horses wearing pure white linen. A sharp sword came from his mouth so that he might strike the nations with it by his word. And he will rule them with an iron rod. And he will also trample the winepress of the fierce anger of God the Almighty. And he has a name. He has a name written on his robe and on his thigh. King of kings and Lord of lords. So tell me. What happens to our fear? What happens to our anxiousness when we bring our emotions to God in surrender. This is what the royal psalms are meant to do to lift our eyes. The emotions that fill our hearts. Is the kingdom of God defeated? Is God weak, impotent, threatened? Are Christians weak servants of a losing king and kingdom? Are feelings that would suggest or lead our hearts in this direction? Are those feelings true? No. And so we let the psalm, the word of God, speak to us what is true. Jesus is not afraid. He laughs at the prideful mockery of nations. Jesus is a king, and when He speaks, the peoples will shake in terror. At the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is king in this life or in judgment. Jesus was crowned king at the resurrection and sits enthroned in heaven. He is worthy to open the scroll and to break the seven seals. He is faithful and true to rule the nations and all its peoples because he is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. This is what's true. And so as the psalm comes to an end, it begs this question, how then will you respond? If all of this is true, how then will you respond? Some will still stand in pride and arrogance and rebellion and saying, I want to break free from your chains and the ropes that you try to bind me with. Who are you to tell me how to live? And they will continue in their pride and their rebellion. Others will continue in their own silent rebellion. Of apathy and indifference. It's not overt. It's just that they don't care. And so they ignore God as if he doesn't exist. Or will you respond with faith and surrender? This is what it's calling us to. It's calling us to not just say, yes, we affirm these truths, but it's calling us to lay down our lives and surrender before these truths. We see in verse 10 that what this means in surrendering before God is that we seek his counsel in life. So now, kings, be wise. Receive instruction, you judges of the earth. There is a sense that even as kings, even as judges, they need counsel from God. How much more do we need counsel from God? When it comes to our life, not just that we affirm God. Yes, you're great sit in heaven, but leave me alone, please. I got my own life here. But Lord, I need your wisdom. I need your counsel in my life. What voices do you listen to to speak truth into your life? In the midst of the questions that we all have, we all surrender them somewhere. We all seek answers somewhere. Whose counsel? do you seek is it god is it social media youtube friends whose counsel because it matters we seek counsel and then we serve god in reverent all and rejoice with trembling verse 11 serve the lord with reverential all and rejoice with trembling Think of what Joshua said in Joshua 24. If you're not going to serve God, then who are you going to serve? Because you're going to serve someone. Maybe it's the person in the mirror. Maybe it's the expectations of others. Maybe it's the the gods of our culture. Who will you seek? And as Joshua says, as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. This is who we're going to seek. This is where we're going to stand in awe. And, And here's the thing, that idea of awe. This reverential awe literally means fear. And this is how the vines complete dictionary, like of Greek and Hebrew words. When you come down, like, okay, what does this mean? Says this. This is not just simple fear. It's not like sometimes I think about in in Lion King, you know, like the hyenas when they would be like Mufasa, right? And they'd be like, ooh, Mufasa. But they're in rebellion to God, right? They are in rebellion to Mufasa, like, make the connection with me. Sometimes I think we can think of like God, of like, ooh, God. But then we just live in rebellion. This is saying no, to be in reverent all of God is more than just fear at his name, but Reverence. Whereby an individual recognizes the power and position of the individual revered and renders him proper respect. In this sense, the word may imply submission to a proper ethical relationship to God. What does this mean? Reverent awe of God means that we pull out the white flag and surrender. We're no longer fighting the battle for control of our own lives. But that all means that we bow before the King in surrender and say, It's your will. It's your way for my life. And we rejoice with trembling. I love this picture. I've been impressed lately. So in my own devotional time, part of it had to read through Leviticus, which has been difficult. Uh, It hasn't necessarily been my favorite, but I've been also struck by the absolute necessity of purity and holiness before God, or you're going to die in his presence. Like if there's anything in all of that, I'm just like, and it impressed on me because sometimes I think I can even just be too cavalier. Like, this is God, a holy, consuming fire that when he speaks, nations will shake in fear. This is the God and king who we come to sing and to celebrate and to serve and to worship. This isn't just some teddy bear that we cuddle up next to when we are discomfort. This is a king who rules and reigns. And so there's rejoicing with some trembling because his holiness is impeccable. He is his swift and all consuming judgment. We can cry out, Who is like our God? Who? Heaven, earth, name them. Who is like him? No one. No one. And so we're invited to bring our fear, to bring our chaos and our questions to bow before the true king. In the very last verse, pay homage to the king. Kiss the son, as some translations say, or he will be angry and you will perish in your rebellion. For his anger may ignite at any moment. All who take refuge in him are happy. Here's what I want us to see very clearly. How we respond matters. Jesus will either be your refuge or he will be your destruction. There is no third option for you, for me, for any of us. He is either our refuge. He is the one in whom we seek safety and shelter, a cleft in the rock from which we can hide in the midst of the storms, who has a firm foundation. He is our refuge, or he will be your destruction. You will be crushed by his anger because of your rebellion. And so bow before him today. Know his life and life eternal. Say he is the king of kings. I can bring my fear. I can bring my concerns and surrender before him. And know that he reigns. Confess Christ today. Because one day all peoples will confess the name of Jesus. And those who do not bow before the judgment will shake in terror as the name of Christ is on their lips. Do not let us be them. Let's pray.